Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today's show is brought to you by WeBuyRides.com. WeBuyRides.com is an awesome place to either buy or sell your vehicle. Um, selling your vehicle, they'll give you a, an outright flat offer for your car. They'll try and get you the most money possible for your car. And, excuse me, just got done eating pancakes. Um, that offer is valid for not only uh, an outright cash offer, but it's also valid for any trade-in. Um, we Buy Rides, they specialize in 4x4 diesel and Highline vehicles. Uh, the guys at uh, We Buy Rides, uh, they have a website, webuyrides.com. That's www.webuyride with a Z at the end, dot com. That's WeBuyRides with a Z dot com. Uh, the customer service there is awesome. Everything that I've had dealing with these fellas, uh, I really have enjoyed doing it. Uh, they've been really good to me. Uh, so I would imagine that they would do the same for you. Before you go to a Carfax or any other third-party vendor, I really highly suggest that you check out WeBuyRides to see how much they can give you for your car and that outright cash offer or how much they could give you in a trade-in for your vehicle. So, our next sponsor is InfiniteOffRoad.com. Infinite Off-Road is the premier lighting solution for all your off-road, on-road vehicles. A uh, really cool thing that they have is they have a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty on all Infinite Off-Road products. This includes light bars, light pods, mirrors with lights in them. Let me just talk about their light pods really quick. I ran their light pods in my Pro Rock race, and those bad boys are twice as bright as the stock headlights in my RS1. I really highly recommend, um, I mean really anything because I, it's so funny. I went, I went to uh, the Infant Off-Road Warehouse and I talked to the owner and, and I was one of the first customers he had in the first light bars that he sold. And it was my, just hadn't picked up lights in a really long time. I got some lights from him and it's just crazy the quality and, and just the innovation that has happened in those lights. Um, they're, the housing on them is just crazy. The output is amazing. I, I had a 50 inch light bar on my car uh, back in 2013 and uh, the two 40 watt pods that I got the other day for my Pro Rock race, I tell you to be honest with you, it seemed like the exact same output as, those, uh, as, that, 50 watt, as that 50 inch light bar. I'm struggling today everybody. Um, Infinite Off-Road's customer service though is a huge, huge, huge deal. With that 25 year you break it, they fix it warranty, um, you'll find yourself really never having to worry about your lighting solutions anymore. Um, one thing that I don't really talk about often, which I think I should, which is great, is their wiring kits. Um, I got a wiring kit with my lights and put everything together and it took me about 20 minutes to put everything together, wire it all up, have it all placed on the vehicle, everything ready to go. And really that took me twice as long because it was 20 degrees when I got it set up. So I highly recommend InfiniteOffRoad.com. Uh, again, light bars, light pods, wheel rings, rock lights, whips, all that fun stuff. 25 year, you break it, they fix it warranty. Code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, for 10% off your entire order. Our last sponsor is All Things UTV. All Things UTV like just picks up the slack where everyone else doesn't. They not only offer pretty much everything that you could want, um, but they offer the best products at the best prices with the best shipping. Dustin Robbins and his team at All Things UTV has a killer 
killer emphasis on customer service. Um, their tender spring kits are not only the most cost effective on the market, but they're a great solution to getting your tender springs uh, back up to working functioning order. Um, you know, I've, they, they offer a cloud nine kit, which is also great. I was going to go into a little spill about what a tender spring is versus like a dual rate spring, but I don't want to do it in the, in the ad right now. Uh, but if you're looking for a true dual rate system, uh, they just, uh, a couple months ago, maybe six months ago, came out with their cloud nine kit and it is awesome. It is a upper, uh, it is two sets of upper springs. Uh, every kit comes with four upper springs, four lower springs, crossover rings. Uh, it, it turns your car into a true dual rate system. Um, absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, great kit. They have things like axles, wheels, tires, um, everything that you can think of really in between all things UTV is where the slack gets picked up. So check out my friends at allthingsutv.com. And what I'm going to do is uh, <laughs> I'm going to introduce our podcast this today. It is Jake Berkey from Busted Knuckle uh, Off-Road. And guys, this is a really good one because uh, it's just a chance to get to know someone. Obviously, they're coming just storming through the gate in the off-road innovation industry and the full-size buggy development. I had a really good time talking to them today. Y'all give me some grace. It's been a little while since I've done a podcast, so I uh, fumbled a few words and things like that, but I really enjoyed talking to Jake. He's a super cool dude, and uh, I would absolutely love to hang out with him sometime. After hearing this, I think that you'll feel the same way. So without further ado, Jake Berkey. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. Jake Berkey, how are you, friend? I'm doing just fine. How about you, Jesse? Good, good. It is, uh, I'm actually going to do a turnaround on this episode pretty quick. So we are recording at nine o'clock in the morning. So thanks for, uh, giving me a call early this morning. I'm drinking my coffee and, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I, I can tell you that as soon as I put out that, uh, you know, I, I kind of put a little teaser out that you were ready to do your interview and, uh, yeah. I had people private messaging me, telling me, you know, asking me this and that and trying to see if I could get some questions answered for them. So people are really excited for this one. Very cool, man. That's great. So I just want to go ahead and jump right into it. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, so I've been into off-roading and stuff my whole entire life. Uh, as, as far as me as a person, I just, I'm fascinated with the stuff, man. I, I was a hunter whenever I was about 16 years old, and me and my dad would take our old F-150 pickup truck and go out hunting, and we'd get stuck because it was two-wheel drive, and just it fascinated me driving and, and trying to push through obstacles and stuff in the truck. So um, whenever I turned 16, I bought a Jeep and started working on it. And if you would have asked me when I was 16 years old what I wanted to do with my life, I would have told you that I wanted to go to college, get a good degree so I could get a good job so that I could work for a couple of years, quit that job, and start an off-road shop. I, I'm telling you, that's what I did. That's so awesome. I did. I, I, I literally I, I stuck with my plan over the course of many, many years. Uh-huh. I, um, I went to college, got an engineering degree. I started um, working in the nuclear industry right after that. I went down to Whoa. Augusta, Georgia. And uh, I started off as, a, as an engineer and worked my way up into management as a supervisor, a superintendent, um, got another 
another couple pay raises, got another couple uh, job title increases to a superintendent, and then finally a project manager. And I spent 10 years in the nuclear industry uh, building nuclear power plants and um, decided, you know what, it's time. I finally got enough money, and uh, it, it's time to, to quit and start doing this full time. But I have forgotten the kind of a big portion of my story, and I, I honestly don't know that I would have ever done what I'm doing now if it wasn't for Matt Myrick. Um, man, like Matt and I just, we just ran into each other four wheel. And actually, I, <laughs> I flipped my Jeep and uh, almost crushed him. I, I say that I almost crushed him, but he, he's really agile. So he was definitely out of the way. Um, but it ended up going like viral, man. It was on all these things. I'm, I'm sitting at Hooters, you know, drinking a beer with my buddies from work. And I'm, I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden I look up and on all the screens in Hooters, there's this goofy redneck guy with a cowboy hat flipping his Jeep down the mountain. And, yeah. uh, and Matt had filmed it and put it online. So, um, that kind of got my taste for the, for the off-road stuff again. I was just like, you know what? I, I really want to continue with my plan. And Matt was like, look, man, you need to quit your job. We need to start doing this together. And he kind of pushed me every day. He'd send me a picture of him, you know, doing something cool while I'm out there at work, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you, you quit your job yet? You know? And, Long story short, man, you know, this is this is me. Like, it really is. I, I love the off-road community. The, the, some of the best people in the entire world. I grew up in it. Um, all my friends, my acquaintances, um, everything that I've ever done since I was a kid has revolved around the sport of off-roading, whether it's trail riding or racing or whatever. I just love it. I belong in the mountains. I belong in the woods. Um, it's just something that's just bred into me. So, that's me in a nutshell, man. I, I do have a bunch of, of, of other activities, like I'm a certified scuba pro, uh, scuba diver, you know, and I like to do that stuff. Um, I'm, we're working on pilot's license. We're going to try to buy a plane in the next little bit and start flying <laughs> awesome. around. So I, I just, yeah, I'm fascinated by mechanical stuff, man, and um, uh, we're working on a buggy for us so that we can start doing that stuff. Um, I love CAD design. It's almost like... You know, everybody has their little thing. People play video games and do this and do that. I can sit there in the shop, CAD design and TIG weld and do that stuff all day long, every day. And that is my release. Uh, you know, my friends and family are all like, man, you're going to burn yourself out. But I don't know how you yeah. get burned out on something that it's, it's the best thing that you've ever done. Man, I, so first off, there's so much there. And I think that that, that is like you you nailed the American dream. And uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of a relatable story here. Um, so when I was 16, my parents got me a Jeep and, you know, kind of same story, wanted to take it off road, started working on it. But it, it's so funny. Um, I'm 24 now, and I remember being 17, 18, and I found a video that you guys had done on uh, suspension geometry. And yeah. I, had, I, I, I knew that I had I, – I wanted to be an engineer – I wanted to go build something, uh, you know, Jeeps had kind of taken over at that point, and, and I found this video of yours, and I watched it probably a hundred times, and, and at the time I had a, uh, I had a little axial Jeep that I was building, and, and, and the way that those are set up is, is pretty scale in terms of, like, the way the geometry of the suspension works, and it kind of is an easy way to get your head wrapped around the ideas, and it's so funny, I actually ended up uh, going to Tennessee Tech to be be a mechanical engineer um, because my goal was I'm going to get out, go to school, get a degree, and I'm going to build uh, suspension. Like I want to design suspension, and, and a big piece of that was um, those those uh, I think they're you know uh, 
extreme tech episodes, or I forget what the full name of them. Um, Broad tech but, videos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I watched those, and I was like, this is what I want to do, and, you know, there's a market for this. So I, I was going to go to school, did that, and it's so funny. I went through my first semester, and uh, I had my first CAD class, and it's not that I can't picture the three-dimensional or anything, um, but I, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't like CAD so much that I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause for a second. And I actually ended up going to uh, Middle Tennessee State University, and my brother yeah. has his, uh, has his doctorate in software engineering, and uh, I ended up ultimately getting a degree in computer science. So uh, I love what I do now, and, and I wouldn't have, have it really any other way. But that's, it's really funny how that all kind of, you know, that, that all panned out, and it's, funny to hear that there's a kind of a similar timeline there. Um, yeah, I actually went to Tennessee Tech as well, so that's pretty crazy. You're about to yeah. be in their um, similar time frame as me. Yeah, man, that's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> kind of, yeah, that's kind pretty of funny cool, how man. that all works out. Yeah, um, so that that's all really exciting. Um, nuclear is like no joke because I, you know, there's a lot of disciplines of engineering, but um, nuclear is that one where it's a little bit more unforgiving than the rest of them, you know, in terms of yeah. <laughs> the, the sure. weight and, and severity. <laughs> exactly. And the thing about the nuclear industry that I hated was that, and the thing that I like about it was that it's, it's, it's so process and procedure oriented. Everything has to be spelled out. Everything has to be exactly yeah. right. And that drives the reason that we, you know, my dad always called me a perfectionist, and, and it's true. You know, I don't let anything slide that's not – top-notch and like I know man we have these conversations all the time with people and they're you know your suspension geometry needs to be this well what if I take this upper link bar and slide it over here some guy on the internet goes oh yeah it won't hurt nothing just do it you know what I mean but everything has a consequence and everything has a reason we're putting that bar in that exact spot because it gives you the perfect geometry for you know going trail riding or whatever you're racing it's going to change your link geometry for anti-squat it's going to change the way the vehicle handles in a corner and you know everything has its purpose and and the nuclear industry really really taught me that and and taught me how to really really spend time making sure everything was right and that we worked with procedures and and it's helped us out and it kind of bled over into what we're doing now i've got you know every time a guy puts something in here at the shop they've they document everything, and then we have a book, and we go back to that book, and we say, how many inches was that, or, you know, how much clearance do we need? Well, by God, you know, we've got a whole documentation trail now of everything that we do so that we can reference back and use that information to make us better in the future. Dude, good for you, first off. That that level of, you know, that that's the heavy lift that a lot of people, you know, uh, that's that Theoretically, that'd be a great idea, but we don't, you know, we're not going to put in the work to do it. But that kind of implementation, yeah. that's, that's, uh, so that'll, that'll kind of piggyback into, into what we're going to talk about next. Um, you know, you, you had a, a stint racing, but now, you know, we can kind of jump over that for, uh, for now and we'll kind of come back. But let's talk about the shop because y- you have blown up. Um, I'm in Murfreesboro, uh, just a little, I think I'm a little north of you. Um, yeah. but, just over the past couple of years, it seems like the busted knuckle garage has like just taken off, and it's become its own beast and its own. You know, you you are a dominant force or a very prominent force in the industry now. And what what caused this? Where did this all come from? Because I, I like you mentioned, you know, I knew that you had your own business and you guys did this kind of thing, but you guys have really 
you know, made a staple at the forefront of not only progress, but performance as well. Yeah, for sure. So, so I can't say anything that doesn't include Matt Myrick. I mean, him and I have just really clicked with the same type of drive and personality. So, you know, Matt owns Busted Knuckle Films and I own Busted Knuckle Off-Road. So we both own Busted Knuckle together. But the the thing is, um, hey, right now I've got you deeping in on me. Is that, uh, should I answer uh, no, oh, sorry. No, don't answer that. I, uh, <laughs> okay. I, picked, I picked up my phone and I, um, I guess my, so my phone and my studio are connected on the same line and, uh, okay. um, it wanted me to call you back. So, uh, that, don't okay. that. All right. Sorry about that. So, um, so first of all, yeah, I can't, I can't say anything without mentioning Matt Myrick. I mean, you know, we both years and years ago, seven years ago, put a, put a plan together on how we were going to do this. Uh, you know, Matt was doing the films and I said, I want to start building the off-road side. I've been in parts for a long time. I, I worked at Advance and O'Reilly's and for about seven years I was in the parts business. So I've got a pretty good knowledge about that. Now that I'm a supervisor at this nuclear plant, man, I've, I've got, you know, leadership skills and all this. Let's, let's put together something that will rock the industry. And so without Matt, you know, in pushing and helping us out with the media side of things and taking some of the stuff that we're doing and putting it in front of millions of people, I would just be a guy that has a really good knowledge and is very smart, but nobody would know about it. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. that's why, that's why, you know, I think the business has grown as, as rapidly as it has is just because of our social media and, and influence in the, in the community with me growing up in it and knowing a lot of people and him with the social media and growing up and, and knowing a lot of people. That is definitely the number one reason um, but you know, it, it's all about, you know, doing the right thing. You know, when yeah, we build absolutely. a buggy, we build it right. We're not going to build a piece of junk. We're not going to leave you hanging. We're not going to put some crappy welds on there. And there's so many guys out there who are doing that. And these, and a lot of people in the off-road industry get a lot of bad taste in their mouth for that. And so the demand for something that's better is very high. And so... <clears throat> And, and that's what our business model is. It's quality first, and, and we want to be the number one in the industry for producing high-quality vehicles that you can get into and drive, and your link bar doesn't smash your oil pan and create a yeah. big hole in it, and the, the transmission doesn't snap in half, or, and it doesn't overheat, and everything works properly, and it's got professional wiring. Yeah, we're more expensive, but that's what we want. We want to increase the the likelihood of somebody getting in the off-road industry and staying in the off-road industry because they have a very good presence and, and, and they go out and they have a good experience. And that's that's the reason that we've grown so well and grown so fast. Now, the reason you've seen an explosion in the past probably year and a half or so is because we needed a facility. Matt and I had been looking for a facility that we could grow the business in for almost two years. I had quit my job and I was working out of a tiny little shop in Augusta, Georgia. We weren't pushing anything because we knew that I couldn't handle the volume. So I did, you know, ones and twosies, part sales to buddies here and there just to make ends meet as I, you know, you know built stuff in my shop. And we finally found a facility. Um, it's been, it'll be two years in, um, in April. So a year and eight months ago. We found a facility that was not far from where Matt was at, and uh, we uprooted, or I uprooted, and bought the facility. It's a 7,200-square-foot shop here in Coleman, Alabama. Nice. Um, we moved we moved everything over and started working. Well, 
I didn't have a place to live, so we built an apartment in the shop, and I actually oh live in the gosh. shop now. So we've got a 1,300-square-foot apartment inside the shop. We've got a 1,300-square-foot uh, showroom, and uh, I live on the second story, and so I'm here all day long every day. Um, and then once we started getting all the fundamental stuff, we needed a showroom. We needed computers. We needed time clocks. We needed employees. We needed all the stuff that generally makes people just, you know, go belly up at the first couple of years of owning mm-hmm. a business, you know, all the startup costs and stuff is stuff that we needed. You know, we needed mm-hmm. welders and saws and, you know, lathe and milling machines and all that crap. Mm-hmm. So in the past year, uh, we, you know, we started working on that stuff. And then finally we've got a base. We have excellent employees that are just top-notch guys. They, they are very, very involved in what they're doing. They are super, super excited to build stuff. Uh, they share the same quality and expertise that, that we want and know here at Busted Knuckle. Um, we've got the social media aspect of it with Matt pushing, and we're finally starting to put a little foot on the gas. And yeah. um, and I can promise you that what you're seeing right now is going to be a blip in the history and the radar of what Busted Knuckle will be in the next five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've... We've got plans um, that I don't really want to talk too much about our future because sure. there's yeah, yeah. other businesses out there that might want to try to derail us or whatever, but um, you will not recognize the monster that we're creating in the next couple of years, and that is a promise. Man, that that's uh, – as, as just a fan and, like, uh, you know, I, I would say like a general member of, like, the off-road community, um, that's super encouraging to hear because, you know, as as, as you have people that pave the way – uh, everybody else, you know, it's easier for them to either follow or innovate in a different direction. And all that innovation, all the, you know, the forefront of the leaders making the way further, that's, that helps everybody. There is, there is no negative, to, you know, when someone has a strong motivation and a strong, like, inclination to innovation. So, Sure. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. Sure. Um, so, so, uh, man, I'm just trying to roll all that stuff back and, and kind of piggyback <laughs> off there. Um, I had someone actually reach out to me. This is a good time, I guess, to ask. Uh, I think that they're in uh, autom- like an automotive school, like a trade school, and they were wondering, what is what is the hiring process? Do you guys, you know, are you guys actively hiring? Um, you know, how does someone become a member of, of your team if that option were available? Yes, we are hiring. Um, we're actually looking for an additional counter person and an- another fabricator, which will put us at uh, 10 employees. Um, and we are. We're, we're hiring, and basically what has to happen is um, you, you basically contact me, Jake, at com, and I send you over an application sheet. And the application sheet has a bunch of relative information about what we do here at Busted Knuckle. Um, and then I want you to rate yourself 1 through 10 and tell me, you know, how many ring and pinion gears you've installed and, you know, what your experience level is with that. And then can you TIG weld aluminum? Yes. Okay, what is your experience with that? And rate yourself one to ten. And it gives me a a, a way to kind of file all the different applicants, and and then I go back through and I take those applications and I pick a couple off the top and I call them in for an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, you come down, I show you the facility, I show you what we're doing, and then we basically go into some testing. I want to make sure that you know what you said on paper. You can actually do. So I'm going to drill you with a bunch of questions about axles and ring opinion installs and then make you do a couple welds and if everything goes smooth then um you know we talk about money and hire you on man that's great it's so funny because i i feel like 
more often than not in a in a trade profession the interview process is not always that whereas you know your technical background from nuclear engineering that's that's the process that I'm much more familiar with you know uh, I interviewed interviewed uh with a company uh in in Birmingham called Dynetics and basically it's the entire process to bring you in make sure you know what you know um because it's a big investment in an employee that you bring them on catch them up to speed yeah. invest in their time and things like that and and I think that that's like that's the future that's how you get good employees because uh you know my wife is actually in uh, property management and she tells me all the time how hard it is to find good employees and I think that you know when you really have a, a uh I don't want to say intensive uh interview process but you know a very thorough process I think that the results on the back side of that are very um fruitful yeah, absolutely. The problem, um, the problem is, is the industry that we're in, although there's a lot of money involved and these guys are building high dollar rigs, it's still a very mm-hmm. niche market and there's not a lot of guys out there that have the, the expertise to do what we're trying to do. Even if it's, sure. I mean, we're talking about the best metal fabricators in the world, whether it's Jesse James or the Tuttles, you know, guys like that. If they walked into Jake Berkey's shop and they started looking at all the tools and equipment, they'd be lost for for four or five <laughs> weeks at least, just trying to figure out how all this stuff works. I mean, right. you know, just because somebody's built four link suspensions a bunch of times doesn't mean that's how I want to build a four link suspension or how I'm doing it. And so for the first couple of weeks, it's tough. It's super hard to find those guys. Um, but I can see. Usually, I've, I've hired a, a couple bad apples, <laughs> but usually, usually I can kind of see a guy and I can see the twinkle in his eye when he's looking at one of these off-road buggies with a, you know, 1500 horsepower LS blown engine in it and the twinkle in his eye and I can see him and he's got the fundamental, uh, fundamental knowledge and I can kind of help coax them into, um, uh, a person who's really powerful in, in what we're doing. So, um, yeah, man, our, our employees, they're, they're difficult to find, um, but the ones that we've got, we have definitely lucked up because we've got some of the, the most top-notch employees in the world. Awesome, man. Uh, so let's talk about what the shop does. Obviously, you mentioned ring and pinions, things like that. Do you guys do, like, uh, I want to say, like, general uh, off-road work, like Jeeps, Broncos, trucks, things like that? No, we did. Um, we used to do that when we first started up just because, you know, obviously we needed capital to invest in different things. But um, I found that it is um, more than extremely difficult to give somebody an accurate estimate about what it's going to take to do a custom job. Mm-hmm. And because there's so many people out there that are willing to do a hack job on your vehicle, you can take it down to some Joe, Joe guy on the side of the interstate and he's going to, you know, slap a four-link together. And because the customer's not educated on what it really takes to do it right, mm-hmm. they think a four-link's a four-link, and they'll do it for, you know, 800 bucks. Yeah. Well, to do it right, to do it right and make the link geometry where it's supposed to be and make it so that your, you know, link bars don't smash your oil pan and your, and your drive line doesn't bind, the amount of effort that it takes to actually build something like that is substantially more expensive and time-consuming than the average individual can even grasp. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I've never been a very good estimate person. <laughs> so yeah. I tell somebody, like, I do it all the time with my own stuff. I'm like, you know, my, my girlfriend Jasmine's upstairs. When are you coming up for dinner? Oh, i got to finish turning this link bar. It'll be 20 minutes. Well, three hours later, I'm still down there turning this. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, yeah, it's not, no, it's, I'm in there. <laughs> Yeah, it's not because, uh, you know, I'm trying to screw anybody over. It's because, honestly, I have a really bad concept of trying to estimate time. 
and a customer comes in and I have no good way of estimating how long it's going to take. They don't have any, any concept of, of what it actually takes to build something right. And we end up spending, you know, more money than they expected because their buddy down the street would have done it for 800 bucks and we're charging them 3000. Right. And so right. that that becomes difficult. It's a difficult conversation to have with the customer. They don't understand why something costs so much. Um, then, you know, then it comes down to they're mad at me for doing something that I thought was perfectly fair. Right. And I have gotten to the point where we are no longer taking in customers off the street. Um, mm-hmm. All we do are the things that we can control. So I can build a busted knuckle off-road chassis. I know how much labor it takes. I know how how everything is supposed to go together. As we build axles, it's the same thing. We have products that we produce that a person can install on their vehicle, and by God, we're good at it. Yeah. And when you when we started taking out the walk-in customer off the street, building a roll cage or doing some of this or some of that, mm-hmm. we took out the unexpected. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many times we've went to unbolt something and the bolt is hung. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's a customer's vehicle. We can't get the bolt loose. Yeah. And and I'm I've got a guy working on this thing for five hours. Well, you know, the customer is like, Well, that's crazy. I can't eighty dollars times five hours, that's too expensive. Yeah. But I'm going, it's it's not fair for me to have to eat that labor either. Yeah. When absolutely. I, but whenever I build something that is known to me that I can control the process and procedure, I can reduce the price for the customer and create a higher quality product and I can send it out the door and everybody's happy. So mm-hmm. we just quit doing it. We don't we don't pull anything in off the streets. All we do is manufacture parts and work on buggies. Man, that's really great to hear. I know that uh <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I feel like I'm seeing more of the of these off-road shops turn into fab shops rather than general off-road. And that's kind of why I asked, too, is just so that people have an idea of what to expect if they were to give you a call and things like that. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. But let's talk about the chassis because, obviously, you know, you mentioned that you know how much goes into it. You guys have put quite a bit of R&D into it, a lot of, a lot of work into these chassis. And uh, they work, man. They work. And you all have turned out. Um, some killer machines, and I am just, like, super stoked to hear about how you guys came to, where it's at now, and, you know, if you guys had any, like, trials and tribulations getting there. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody starts a business, and it just all works out hunky-dory, and everything is great. Right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. And the way we decided to start building this chassis was um, I had a friend that I ran into in Harlan, Kentucky, and I told – I was still working. I told him I plan on quitting my job. Uh-huh. And I'd like to start building these off-road rigs and yada, yada. We hadn't even had a plan yet. This was just talking over a campfire. He said, well, man, I'd be interested in getting into something like that. And I've got some equipment that I've been thinking about buying. So he decides to buy the equipment. I decide to do the design work. Mm-hmm. He comes up from Florida, and we sit down in my shop. We parked my old chassis there. It was mm-hmm. the Riot chassis. And we started doodling. And I'm telling you, man, I had a pen and a paper or a pencil and a big, big sheet of paper, like it was like an ANSI E drawing, like 36 by 48 ANSI drawing. And I had a ruler, and we were scaling everything. I'd say, how many inches? And he'd say, 40 inches. And I'd say, okay, well, that's, you know, 2.1 inches, and I'd draw a line. And then we designed the chassis basically on paper. And then we changed everything I didn't like about the chassis and then added space here where I thought it was needed, subtracted stuff here where I didn't think it was needed, and then we revised it and revised it and came up with an initial design. 
Um, that was the Italian job. If you remember that we built yeah. a buggy for a guy in Italy, it was called the Italian job. That was our original, original chassis design. Well, it was designed for one shock all the way around. Mm-hmm. And when it finally, when it finally came out, the customer wanted bypasses. Well, it was too difficult to put bypasses on. So we ended up like sticking them on the outside of the chassis because we were already in the nth hour. We had a couple weeks left and all of a sudden we were adding bypasses to this thing. Yeah. And it, and it made me say, you know what? I need to change my shock hoops. So we, we did. And then we did it a couple more times and said, you know, the, the, the drivetrain needs to be moved over just a little bit more so that we got more clearance. Mm-hmm. And we did that. Then, you know what? The seats don't exactly fit right. So we moved a bar here. And, and over the course of the last year and a half, we've made very minor changes, um, a couple inches here, a couple inches here. And we've stumbled across this chassis now that we are not having to modify and everything is going together smooth and I can't be happier with the way it performs and the way the geometry is and, and the way everything goes together. Um, and so we're really excited about the chassis design. Now Now what we've done is we've built a jig table that houses that chassis design. Uh, we have our tubes laser cut um, and CNC bent sent down to us and then we basically assemble it right here on the jig table. Uh, and we've got... Man. Yep, and we've got all of our all of our stuff is uh I'm talking about when we get this thing together, I don't know that you could slide the head of a screwdriver in the gaps. I mean it's it's less than a sixteenth of an inch on all the gaps throughout the entire chassis. So all the welds and everything else come out beautiful, everything is clean, and all of our components fit. So based on that original design, now I can start modifying stuff. So we have the pure race chassis. It's it's still the same geometry. It's still the same four link. It's still the same engine transmission transfer case placement. Uh, looks completely different from any other chassis. We've got the pure. We've got the regular race version. It's the one you see Matt Schusler, uh in the in the bad influence buggy and the gold rush buggy. Uh, those are running the race chassis. Um, same geometry is a is a pure race version, but it's it's just got a little bit different style. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the trail buggy that we just released, and this is this is my favorite buggy. It's got a little bit more room in the back so that, you know, regular trail rider guys can haul tools and a cooler and all that stuff that you want whenever you're going trail riding. Um, it has a single frame rail design, full exhaust. It's made specifically for guys who want to go out and spend some time four-wheeling in, in the woods and not specifically racing all the time. Yeah. Um, and then – we have a couple other versions that we haven't even released yet. Um, our signature is kind of a, a tall nose, you know, so that you mm-hmm. can get all that up travel and it, it's kind of got like a Corvette nose on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have some models coming out that uh, have a completely different front end. Uh, we have an Ultra 4 chassis that we've built um, mm-hmm. and designed that we haven't even, we haven't even released yet. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's going to a customer in Spain. So um, we're, we're very excited because of, of the way that we're doing things and the way we can modify chassis and still make everything work. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit for, for the next couple steps. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. How are you guys getting hooked up with so many international customers? Uh, so I would, I would suggest that that's probably coming from the, the social media aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, and that's been something that's been really huge for us. I mean, our number one customer is, is Ivan and he's, he is uh, an unbelievable guy. He's he's from Italy. Um, super excited about the off-road industry. He has, I mean, I've been there. He's got two Jesse Haynes buggies. He's got multiple Bruiser buggies. He's got you know Jeeps and 
and Toyotas and Suzuki Samurais, and he's got an off-road shop um, that he's basically built for himself. And uh, he tells a lot of people about us. Um, you know, the the word just kind of spreads, and uh, it's it's pretty interesting to see us go from just um, you know a guys a couple of guys with an idea to international buggy salesman or something. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah, and I'm I'm even you know I'm, I during the interviews I typically like cruise Facebook to see if I can have it, find anything else. I see that you have a chassis going to Dubai. Yes, yes. Man. So Amazing. this guy's name is Wahib, and he called us up and said I would like a chassis. Uh, and so we built this thing, and it was the pure race. I had just released it, and um, and it's sure enough going to Dubai, and hopefully with uh, I, man I, my my I'd be so excited if. It got over there, and they looked at it and said, by God, we want a whole vehicle, and we started building them and sent them to Dubai because I think it would oh be cool gosh. to go over there and just, like, you know, slam a rock buggy through the dunes at 50 or something like that. You know, yeah, awesome. no, I, that's the first thing. As soon as you said, I'd like to go over there, I was like, man, getting that thing in some sand like that, that would be some oh, yeah. wild, wild stuff. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I, I'm I'm really, really stoked to hear that you guys not only are having so much growth, but – you know, as an in, like your engineering kind of creativity is getting a chance to come out with the different models and things like that. Uh, I think that that kind of thing, um, it, it always seems to bode well when people have options. And I, uh, I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to seeing the Ultra 4 car when that comes out. Um, just that's all, like I said, just really exciting news. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, what's the favorite part about your buggy? Because, I, you know, I've, I've talked to a few folks, and uh, you guys are, are excellent in the suspension department. You guys are obviously um, – correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are the forefront in power plants right now for rock bouncers in terms of yeah. getting the most yeah. power in those things um, because, uh, obviously, we have Gold Rush. But uh, is it Bad Influence? Is that the other buggy? My, my Bad Influence. Okay. That thing is rowdy, too, really rowdy. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, so I don't I don't know how I became the uh, the high horsepower guy. Like I I really don't. Like I had a supercharger on my buggy. It was like maybe nine hundred, you know, eight hundred fifty horsepower. You know, with the nitrous, it was a little over a thousand or something. And uh, like Shane Christensen, he called me up. He's the Gold Rush owner, and he goes, "Hey man, I want to build a buggy." And I was like, "Okay, cool." He was like, "I'm Matt Schistler's uh, brother-in-law, and I've got this, you know, ridiculous." big block Chevrolet motor and I want to pro charge it and do all this. Well, you got to realize that I get calls like that multiple times a day, you yeah. know, and, 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 half the, and everybody, everybody's got this unlimited budget and they want to build the baddest thing on the planet until we start talking numbers and their wife won't let them. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I just didn't, I didn't really, it was like a grain of salt to me. I was just like, whatever. And I kept on going. Well, then he calls back and he was like, Hey, I'd, I'd like to go ahead and put a down payment down. And I'm like, okay, well, this is real. <laughs> you know, this is going to be yeah. pretty crazy. And he shows up with this monster, man. It is a a big block Chevrolet with a Pro Charger on it. This thing, like, barely fits inside the buggy. Like, it is a absolute monster. And we put that thing out, and it was just ungodly. That it, it's just ridiculous how much power that thing has. Um, and then, and then his brother comes right back in. He said he wanted a matching buggy. That's why those buggies have such a similar appearance to themselves is Mm -hmm. because they both wanted buggies that were very similar. They, they didn't want them identical, but they wanted them to have the same chassis, same body line, same style of interior, same, all this, all that. And, um, anyways, we, we built the second one and man, I'm, 
those two buggies right there are the highest horsepower buggies in the industry. And um, I was super, super nervous about doing it because, uh, you know, all the stuff that we build is not designed. It's never been tested at that horsepower level. Yeah. I'm nervous. I mean, I, as I'm putting <laughs> the ring and pinion gear in there, I'm just like, man, I'm like petting it. I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. You're about to get, you're about to get killed. <laughs> and yeah. uh, somehow, some way, uh, these buggies are surviving. We haven't broken a single ring and pinion gear, knock on wood. Wow. We haven't even seen chipped gears, knock on wood. Uh, the only problem we've gears had were, like, uh, they're, uh, Yukon gears. They're, uh, wow. 373. We went with a high rig and pinion gear because I know that the lower you go, the, you know, the weaker they get. So mm-hmm. we went with a 373. Uh, and then we went with, um, you know, uh, the RCD axle shafts and everything, some big, mm-hmm. big boy stuff. And, um, and the only thing we've had is a few small driveline uh, breakage, and the driveline breakage was with a very specific yoke um, that uh, just the ears are twisting on them, and it and it's causing them to break. We've remedied that, and uh, we 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 haven't had a problem since. And so I don't know what breaks next. I really don't, man. Like I thought that Dana 80s would be the weak point. They're not yeah. the weak point, and I don't know what. I, I mean, we we're we're to the point now where we're I don't. I don't know what to expect next because these horsepower levels have never been done. Uh, I'm amazed that it's holding together. Like we've yeah. only had very, very minor stuff out of bad influence. Um, most of it's been engine related. Uh, you know, we got a crate motor in and we've had a couple engine failures, uh, blown <laughs> head gaskets on it. But, um, you know, nothing in the drivetrain. Like it's been, I mean, it's been ridiculous. So yeah, well, on wood, man, we've got a package that works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was about to say, actually. Um, well, that's great. Uh, I think that that's that's really really amazing that you guys are pushing out. Um, it, it's so cool because everyone seems to be doing something a little different, and you guys, uh, like you said, you guys have, uh, I guess, un- unknowingly and and maybe even uh, not unwillingly, but uh, I guess unknowingly is the right word, become high horsepower team, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's working. for sure, it's working for sure. Um, yep. But going into that, um, I, I kind of want to just say, uh, let, me, let me think about where, where I want to go next here. Um, with the interview, like as, as it continues, um, where do you think that the future of your chassis go? Let me ask that. So I, the future of our chassis are going to be in the trail riding industry. Um, mm. And and not because we don't have an awesome race program and because we don't have uh, a chassis that can win all of the races. Uh, the, the, the problem is, is the client base is very slim at the top. Sure. Sure. And so I want to build uh, a couple race buggies a year, you know, I, you know, one or two race buggies, full blown race buggies. I'm talking about, you know, gold rush, that <laughs> influence, you know, 1500 horsepower plus rigs a year. And for every, off-road race rig we build i want to build 10 trail rigs and and that's that's the that's the future because there are so many guys who are able to buy something to go out in the woods and go play with and you know can't afford a 1500 horsepower motor with all the stuff that goes with it to make everything live Mm -hmm. i mean those you know schistler's buggy i mean it's two hundred thousand dollars like you can't There's very few people that are going to be able to do that and then, you know, whose wives are going to let them do it, who have the time to do it, who have the knowledge and, and that's just so slim pickings. 
And I cannot bet, I cannot bet my, my employees and my business and the likelihood of everything that we're doing on hopefully another one of those clients comes around the corner. Yeah. Absolutely. But for every one of those clients, there's 50 that could afford a, uh, a lower priced 500 horsepower rock bouncer that could go trail riding. So let me ask you, um, you know, that being the future, because I agree with you. It's a lot easier, or not easier, but that market gets a lot bigger um, when when you can bring that exactly. price down and you can kind of level out some parts there. Um, if someone calls you and says, "Hey, I want a trail ride. I'd like to get a, I'd like to get a full chassis set up. Um, I have nothing. I want to go from turn, you know, basically a turnkey build. Uh, just get me on the trail. I need a little bit of power, nothing crazy. What what are what are people looking at number wise? And that's a very general question, so I'm not expecting yeah. it, you know, a, yep, yep. an accurate answer. It's actually something that we've been very, very adamant about and we've been pushing forward for. Um, so I do know some pretty solid numbers. If you get a turnkey buggy from Busted Knuckle Off-Road, and I'm talking about powder-coated, ready to go, you sit in it, you start it up, and you go. Um, we're actually working on some more language and stuff to be able to put a warranty on them, which is insane. Um, we're going to put a warranty <laughs> on our buggies and say, by God, if you if you break it, then um, you know the, the parts are free to replace them and, and get wow. you back on the trail. Um, and those buggies are going to start at 85,000. Now you can bring some parts to the table and we can build you a buggy. Um, but generally when we do that, we lose our profit margin because a lot of profit margin is in the parts. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, basically if you were to try to bring some parts to the table, the labor would have to increase just a little bit, but, uh, you would definitely come in below $85,000. Um, but when we build a buggy, we want to build it where we know that it's going to hold together. Right. We know that it's a very solid platform that's well balanced and you don't have too much horsepower for the axles or you don't yeah. have too little horsepower for the gearing or, you know, everything is well balanced for what we're trying to do. So our base package comes with an LS3. It's, um, between 500 and 550 horsepower LS3. Um, it comes with a TH400. It comes with a Atlas Pro. So it's the Pro Series Atlas and, and you're not going to break that with 500 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Uh, 43 stickies. It comes with um, trailing arms in the rear, a 14 bolt, and a high pinion Dana 60 front. And then from there, we can we can go in and we can adjust it. And we can put bypass shocks on it. Uh, we can put a 14 bolt front. Uh, we can do you know Dana 80s if you'd like. And then you know you start getting closer to the custom builds. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's where our price point starts. Man, that's, that's that's great that y'all have it hammered out and can gl- give someone a uh, a clear, you know, here here's where we're going to start and here are your options and you know the the you know resulting changes in price that way. That's great. Yep. Heck, I could even show you a three dimensional drawing, a CAD model in SolidWorks of exactly what your buggy looks like. If you want purple <laughs> panels, I can stick purple panels on this thing and send it over to you, and you can say, "By God, that's a cool looking buggy. I, I think I might want yeah. green." And we'll slash yeah. some green panels and send it back. I mean, you know, with, with the engineering, you know, mindset and everything, we can really do some cool stuff. And then let's say, you know, you are out four-wheeling and you slip your buggy off a little rock ledge and you land on a roof bar and it dents and you just, you can't handle that dent. You want a new bar. <laughs> well, because of the way that we're building these things, I can send you that one bar. I can yeah. send you that bar pre-bent, pre-notched, ready to go back into its old place. Let's say you tear something up in the drive line. By God, I've already got the drive shafts, you know, figured out to the length that you need, and I can send you a drive shaft, and you just bolt it in. So the engineering is going to allow us to get, to basically, you know, 
organize our buggies the way that they need to be so that the average individual can buy them and they don't need all the tools in the world to work on them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if if you break an axle shaft, I can send you that axle shaft, no problem. I can send you that dry shaft. But when you're in a custom buggy, mm-hmm. then everything has been one offed. There is you got to have a machine shop to even really work on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I'm I'm doing my best to do the same thing I told you about at the beginning. Matt and I's vision is to better the off road industry as a whole by creating a better experience for people. I want somebody to be able to go out. I want them to be able to four-wheel. I don't want them to break. And if something does happen, I want it, the, the repair to be seamless so that they can go back out and enjoy it. Man, that's that's uh, that's awesome. And, you know, essentially what you guys are doing is, you know, a lot of my listeners are side-by-side guys, and that's the next thing I want to talk about. Um, but it's essentially you're becoming a manufacturer like Polaris where you offer a vehicle at this price, and there's, you know, you can essentially call you and just get the part you need shipped to your door. And it's no longer the conversation of, you know, well, Hey, go measure, go out and measure it. Oh, you don't have the original measurement. Well, go out, do your best, you know, and then there's a, there's a lag time in the process of getting parts because of of things like that. And I think that that's what, I mean, that's the point obviously, but, but I don't think people initially understand how big of a deal that is unless they've been in that situation where they have to wait on custom parts because, uh, that's a that is a uh, that's a bear. We'll just we'll just, leave, we'll just say that. Uh, yeah, yeah. An entire process. Exactly, and and that's the difficult part about it. And you know, I I don't know exactly where the wind's going to blow us, um, and exactly how we're going to uh, continue to do things in the future. But um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. This is this is the biggest fear for me is that they are so prideful on wanting something that's different mm-hmm. than the next guy. Um, they, they will jump through all sorts of hoops to make the most cobbled up goofy thing I've ever seen in my life. They'll mm-hmm. stick some goofy axles in there with a goofy motor, with a goofy, you know, this, that, and the other thing, just because they want to be different. And when it breaks, man, I'm telling you, you better have a goofy wallet because it's just, it's just <laughs> stuff cobbled together everywhere and it takes so much time and, and, and money and everything else to fix something like that. Um, I think if you want to be different than everybody else, then, you know, just like a Polaris Razor or something like that, you buy it and you modify it to make it yours. Um, but the fundamental of the the baseline is going to be similar so that, you know, it, it, it makes it easy to work on and it makes it easy to, you know, get parts for. And, you know, yeah. it, it, I think that it's going to help the end-all experience of the off-road industry and grow the industry as a whole. I might be wrong. Yeah. Everybody, people might no, just be like, no. "Oh, that's stupid." I don't know, but that's what, that's what mean, I'm hoping to do. Yeah, if you look at it, though, I mean, obviously the economy right now is super, super great, um, and and you're getting to this point where you know, just personally, I see people that rail me. I see the people in the environment. I see manufacturers that reach out to me about advertising and things like that. Um, we're booming, and we're hitting we're hitting a peak where people are gonna. You know, there's more money in people's pockets or more willing to spend money than, you know, it was like in the earlier, about 10 years ago or so. Um, right. And we're hitting this stage where, you know, people are starting to take advantage of the fact that people are ready to spend money again. And I think that you guys are you guys are on par with doing some awesome stuff uh, and people are ready to have something, you know, it's essentially you're making a rock bouncer. Uh, I don't want to say like off the shelf, 
but like you are a rock bouncer with parts off the shelf that like I can go to you and just grab the part I need. I, again, it's kind of reiterating, reiterating what I was saying before, but uh, I really just, you know, as someone who's dealt with custom builds before, it brings me a lot of joy to have, you know, just to hear you say something like that. And then I think if you don't have experience dealing with custom builds, that it seems kind of like a, a not a, not as important topic, you know. Just yeah, it's one of those that bites exactly. you. When it bites, it bites hard. <laughs> yeah, and and there'll be guys out there that you know other shops and stuff like that that um, are gonna see that and and they're going to continue going down the path that they want to go down. And there's going to be those clients that want that custom one-off build. Sure. And we're going to, you know, we, we will have custom one-off builds, uh, but I just see the future and the fundamental, you know, ground base for our company, the, the bread and butter, if you will, uh, to be that style buggy. And, and we can do modifications. Um, you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. We'll change up the roof bars. We'll change up the sidebars. We'll change up the engine cage. We'll, Stick a different set of seats in there, whatever. But as you do that, the price increases from our from our base point. But you know, I, I see a lot of people who want that custom vehicle, sure. um, and there's no doubt about that. And I honestly could grow the business where it is right now with just doing custom builds. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I think that there's a market for the spec class, is what we're going to call it. You know, yeah. like Ultra Four, Ultra Four has a spec chassis. You know, like. You know these different different ones that you can go out, and you can buy, and you can go four wheel with it, and it's and it it just flat out works. Yeah. Everything works on it. It doesn't overheat. The brakes are are what you need to stop the vehicle. You don't have crappy brakes, and the suspension works, and it's tuned properly. And mm-hmm. could you imagine getting in one of our buggies, starting it up, and having a vehicle that rides like a razor? Like just everybody who has a rock buggy and gets into a razor ends up selling the rock buggy and go into a razor because it's, yep. it's engineered to work properly mm-hmm. and it, and it eats obstacles up, man. They just float over stuff and, it, and people are just like, I didn't realize the vehicle could ride this good. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, a rock bouncer can ride that good. They've just been riding in crappy vehicles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and no, once I... they have a suspension, man, once they have a suspension that's tuned and the engine and a transmission and a transfer case and axles that are, are all meant for each other at the right horsepower level, it will change the way people view these things. Yeah. Yeah. I support that. I'm about that. Uh, people, people know, you'll, you'll hear me repeat this on the podcast. Our regular listeners know this. I beat this like a dead horse, but, uh, put something together that works and, and get it, yeah. you know, put the time into the tuning, put the time into the parts that make this ride better and you'll, you'll thank yourself later and you won't do exactly what you just said. You won't go get in a razor and you'll be like, oh, damn, that ride's really good. <laughs> and you go home. Yeah, and you're right. Driving, you're driving home and you think to yourself, man, I paid a lot of money for this thing not to work. And uh, yep. it, then you end up selling it. Um, but and uh, then a lot of those guys never get back in the industry. Yeah, they, they, I have, I have people who live in Alabama, not far from my shop, that have taken their hard-earned money and invested into vehicles that are not going to work. They are absolute trash and they, and they go out and they break and then they do it again. Then they do it again. And you know, whoever the builder is has convinced them that, Oh, it's just a fluke. Oh, it's just a fluke. No, that's not a fluke. It's not designed properly. It's never (laughs) going to work. And they get aggravated and get out of the business. And I don't want that for these people. I want them to have a good experience. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about experience. Um, I, I got some questions. I'm gonna like kind of quick rattle off at you, uh, and they're basically just your preferences, your favorites, things like that. Uh, and and you give me as much or as little about all this stuff you want to do. Um, rear steer. Uh, there has been, if you are ever on Facebook, it is the conversation that never ends and needs to end. Um, is rear steer a necessity in the in the on the race courses that we're seeing now? Um, I don't think that it's a necessity, but I definitely think it's an advantage. Um, you know, but with with rear steer, there's disadvantages. I mean, now you have steering knuckles back there and the axle shafts and everything. It's just more things to break, right? Yeah. So, you know, for instance, Bubba Bacon, he's number two in the in the racing industry right now for Southern Rock Racing, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have rear steer. So that proves that you don't have to have it to win. Um, all these guys who complain because they, the course is getting tight, well, I mean, you got a guy sitting in second place that doesn't have rear steer. Maybe you just need to drive better. But, um, <laughs> but, but it does give you an advantage. And yeah. I honestly don't know that I would be able to go back and race without that advantage. I'm not as good of a driver as Timmy Cameron or Bubba Bacon and I need every advantage I can get. Sure. So that's, that's my deal. I think it's an advantage, but it's not a necessity. And if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna complain about it, then, you know, the guy who's beating you who doesn't have rear steer, I don't know what you're complaining about because he just whacks your ass. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Whatever, man. You can say all you want to, but the guy who just, who just gapped you doesn't have rear steer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, favorite place, uh, to trail ride. If you're gonna take a buggy, oh. uh, a razor, anything like that, favorite place to trail ride. My favorite place to trail ride is Harlan, Kentucky. Um, it just is my, if you've never been there, it's like, it's like Windrock with all the, it's, it's just a huge place with all the awesome scenery and everything else, except for you don't have cops on four wheelers chasing you down to check your cooler. Like yeah. you can go and have fun for an entire weekend and it's just the most beautiful thing, man. I love it up there. That's, it, it's my release. When we go to Harlan, Kentucky, Everything else just goes away, and it's just us and nature and our machines. Yeah. Now I will say that I uh, I had a buddy of mine this week. Um, we did we did 165 miles, and we did primarily TWRA land. Um, we kind of like weaved through Brimstone and around Windrock and what have you. Uh, and and he hit a washout. Now I don't know if you've been up to those parks, but because side by sides are getting more popular, the trails are changing, and these these washouts on some of these trails, like we were going uh, to the Eternal Flame going down the mountain, and he, he basically was driving, I mean, not fast, he's probably going, you know, 15, 20, uh, which is fast on a trail, but eh, whatever. Uh, but he, one of these washouts had come so far in the trail that his front passenger tire hit the washout, actually rolled him upside down, and almost threw wow. him completely off the mountain. And, and you know, I... I have a questions for Winrock Brimstone TWRA. You know, as these machines get wider, if that machine was a Turbo S, you wouldn't be able to take it down that trail. You know, what are what do you do? Do you shut that trail down? Do you start to do trail maintenance? I mean, there's so much land out there that trail maintenance really isn't yeah. an option. Uh, you know, it just kind of makes you makes you wonder what the future is because as these machines get wider, and I think that we'll continue to see the popularity of the wider side-by-sides go out there. I mean, what's, is there an answer for that? Can you think of anything? Uh, I think the answer is, man, if it's a safety concern, then they absolutely need to address it. But if it's mm-hmm. just, a, you know, the trails are a little tight or something like that, then mm-hmm. the, the people who are going out there trail riding just have to, you know, deal with it. I guess you could yeah, say. I don't no, know I, how else I, to do it. It's just, 
I, you know, I, I grew up off-roading and, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't really have, uh, specific trails and stuff that were, you know, marked out. We went to like Helico and stuff like that, but it was kind of just like you versus nature. And if you picked the wrong trail and it was too tight, everybody in the group backed up and then you yeah. went to another one you marked it off your map. My God, a, a razor ref can't go down there, you know? Yeah. And, but if it's a safety concern, they definitely have to do something or else they could, you know, accidentally hurt somebody and, yeah. you know, aside of the legal things, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, I didn't, I didn't bring this up earlier. Uh, do you ride side by sides? Are you into that at all? I was until a guy from Chile flew up and bought my razor for way more than what I paid for it, and <laughs> uh, and I no longer have a vehicle, so I'm working on a um, building another buggy for myself. Um, but every time I get about halfway through the project, somebody comes to the shop and buys it. So, oh wow, uh, that's a good problem to have, gonna, I guess. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to sell this one, um, but uh, that's that's what we're trying to do is get us back on four wheels because right now we we have a dirt bike and um, that's about it. I got a little mini bike. That's all. Now, I is there? A, that's awesome. Uh, is there a chance <laughs> that you start building production uh, razor chassis, or is that just out of the wheelhouse right now? It's it's out of the wheelhouse. I mean, maybe in a couple of years, if if we get our current situation on lock, we might mm-hmm. start doing that. But um, I could close the doors down right now to no more. In, I could take not a single invoice for the next six months, and I would still have enough work to keep us going. So Son. I don't have any time or effort or energy to get into the razor market. Yeah, well, hey, it's it's good to know your limits, and it's good to you know not take too much on your plate because you know that's a that's the fall of many many great companies as well. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, favorite place to race at because you have a background. I, I'm look, I'm on your Facebook here. Yeah, you have a background in Southern Rock Racing. Obviously, the Riot buggy, yeah. um, the history of that buggy kind of speaks for itself. Um, where's your favorite place to race at? My favorite place to race. Um... Man, I really like Rush um, Off-Road. That's a really fun place to race. Um, it's big hill climbs. It's generally really open, and I love seeing all the people. I, I just mm-hmm. like seeing the off-road industry growing as a whole. Um, and when I go to Rush, it really makes me feel like we're we're succeeding. You know what I mean? So I like yeah. Rush. Um, I do like uh, um, up here, Hale, or not Hale, Mountain, but Hawk Pride. That's a lot of fun. They have mm-hmm. some pretty cool courses up there. They're Hill climbs with big rock ledges in them at the same time. That's a really mm-hmm. cool place. Um, the only problem about Rush is how far you got to go to get there, so that kind of sucks. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little like, weird. Yeah, Dirty Turtle was always a fun park. I, I don't know, man. Like, you know, they're all kind of different in their own way, and, and I don't really want to choose one or the other because I don't know that I have a specific favorite for racing. I can tell you which ones I don't like, but that's that's, that's, <laughs> so that's, next, that's the next question. <laughs> I figured – yeah. Um, so, I, and this is no offense to the guys down there at um, uh, at Bikini Bottoms, but man, I am man. telling you, I have had nothing but bad luck at that park, and it seems like everybody else. I don't know, man. It's an awesome place to race. It's got the perfect venue. I love the hills, but like my truck starts breaking down forty miles from the park. Like tires start blowing out, yeah. and I don't know why, but I just got bad mojo out there, man. You know, um, it's, so, it's so funny because I, again, my regular listeners know this. Uh, every single time I ask that question, it really doesn't matter. I'll be honest with you. I think maybe I've had one person out of the 35 interviews that I've done 
that didn't say Bikini Bottoms was her least favorite park. <laughs> and it's, I don't know why, because it's an awesome park. The venue is perfect. It's awesome for spectators. And I'll tell you, I had a blast going down there and watching everybody else tear their stuff up. But whenever <laughs> I was in the driver's seat, I could stand that park, man. It was yeah. I, I was in fourth place in Southern Rock Racing the last year that I raced, and all I had to do was beat Brandon Davis on a couple of hoils. Uh-huh. And I, I had beat him the last couple races. I'm super confident my buggy is on point. And I did not finish but one out of four hills because of air filter problems. I had a rear steer oh. problem. I, I It was just like every time I hit the gas, something would mess up off the starting line. Gosh, and it was man. like the Bermuda Triangle or something, man. It made no sense. Is it the fact that it's the finals that that's the – would it be you – know, you, you, you take the finals somewhere else and it's just because it's the finals that that kind of thing happens? I don't know. Do you, do you, do you ever <laughs> see those those memes with the with the guy with the curly hair and he's got his hands sticking out and it just says aliens across the bottom? Yes. That's my, that's my answer. <laughs> aliens. I have no idea, man. It's not a single thing that the guys at Bikini Bottoms couldn't be any better. It's an awesome park. I love the venue. Like I said, I love it. Jake Berkey just does not have luck there. And yeah. there's other guys who kill it out there. If you ask Larry Krog and you're like, hey, man, what's your best park? He's probably going to say Bikini Bottoms because he just, like, whacks the floor with everybody at the finals, you know. Man. And I don't know. <laughs> it's just not my park. Yeah, yeah, I get it. All right, so where's your – if you if you're, you and your buddies are going char riding, everybody's going to a park, what's your – and they tell you, what's, what is the one that makes you go, man, I really don't know if I want to go ride with them? Just the friend time. or the park? <laughs> the park. Where's your, where's your oh, oh, okay. I thought you wanted me to call out one of my buddies. Like, I don't even like that guy. <laughs> no, no, no. No, man. Um, I'll be honest with you. I won't go back to Winrock. Um, really? I don't drink. Oh, dude, I, I don't even, like, I'm allergic to beer. It happened in my 20s. I don't even know how, but one day I was drinking a beer. I, I love beer. It was, like, my favorite thing ever. And then all of a sudden, one day I drank it, and I had allergic reaction. And ever since then, I am like alert, like seriously allergic to beer. Well, a couple weekends ago, uh, you know, a guy's in my buggy, and he leaves a beer can in the back, and we get in the razor, and I'm driving to, you know, go four wheeling at Winrock. I get pulled over by a guy on a four wheeler with flashing blue lights, and I don't even drink. The guy comes over and was like, what's up with these beer cans? And, like, gets me out of my razor, puts me on the hood of this freaking four-wheeler. I don't – I've been four-wheeling my whole life. There's a couple things you never do. You never bring your wallet and you never bring your keys on the trail because there's nothing you can buy or start, and and you can lose your wallet or keys on the trail. So I stash my wallet and keys somewhere around my vehicle so that if everything goes to hell – I have money to get home and a vehicle to get home with. Right. And so I don't have an ID. The guy gets me out. He's, like, you know, harassing me, telling me that he's going to call these people in to give me a breathalyzer. I've been drinking and driving, and and he's just going on and on and on, treating me like a criminal. And all because there was a beer can that was empty in the back of my razor, and I don't even Mm -hmm. drink. And the guy – and I just – I looked at that man dead in his eyes, and I said, I'll tell you what, man. You let me go. And you will never see me at this park again, and I haven't been back since. Man, man, that's that's really unfortunate because I've had run-ins with those guys in the parking lot, you know, and and it mm-hmm. seems it's just so funny. We haven't been to actual Winrock in three, three, maybe two, three years, 
And we mm-hmm. used to, like, they'd stop, hey, man, what's in the cooler? And I had one of my buddies look him square in the eyes and just say, beer? And he was just like, okay. And he, and he let him go. <laughs> and, and then, and then the next, I mean, maybe. I don't know, man. It's just, but, like, the next day, we have beer. He's like, yeah, you can't take that up there. And that's when, you know, if you ask any of my buddies, that Winterock forces you to drink hard liquor, and that's not good for you. <laughs> because, right, that's not good for you either. <laughs> we would, we, you know, they took up uh, Kool-Aid and Hunch Punch and all that stuff and Wine Punch, and it's just, it, that's the most dangerous thing in the entire world. But, uh, right. yeah, man, it's, I, listen, I get it. If you take a wrong turn up there, you die. I get that. Right. Also, yeah, oh, yeah. But also, like, Hey, if you want to go up there and you want to get yourself in a situation, if you want to be in a state where you, you, you're, you're going to turn off the mountain, I don't know if I can, I'm not, you're an adult, you know, I don't need that's, to be arrested. That's, that's my thing, man. We've, everybody's gotten to the point in the United States where they're so sue happy and everything yeah. else that personal, personal, you know, responsibility is just out the window. Like if you're going to get drunk and do something stupid, then you are responsible for your actions. I don't know yeah. how in the world you can get drunk and do something stupid and try to blame the off-road park that you paid to get into. Like, okay, if you're driving <laughs> and there is a cable going across the road and you're doing 50 miles an hour and it's not marked and, and somebody gets hurt, I get that. But if you're out there goofing off and you freaking drive off the mountain, by God, that's personal responsibility. And people need to realize how to start taking it. It is, man, and I think that I think that what you, what you just said there is an even bigger point, and it applies to a bunch of different things because we're in a oh yeah we're in a soft generation. <laughs> Hell yeah, we, we I went to a comedy club yesterday, and they were talking about how a woman got on the plane with a comfort cat, oh. and they had and it was like you know basically it had a little scarf that said comfort cat, and she had to have it for her anxiety, and and she's petting this cat to try to keep her calm and sitting next to the comedian, and he was, like, ripping her, and it was hilarious. Oh, my god! But gosh. it's true, you know. People people get weird about that stuff. But yeah. um, I do want to send a shout-out, though, man. I mean, so um, you asked me earlier, and I, and I blanked out. I didn't think about it. But, man, Stony Lonesome, when yeah. you talked about the parks that are awesome, dude, Stony Lonesome is right. It's, like, four miles down from my shop. Those guys are top-notch guys, uh, Tyler and and his, and his people that work down there. Um, it's an awesome place to four wheel. It's, it's county owned. They had some awesome race hills and, um, I really, really enjoyed Stony Lonesome when we used to race there. It was a really cool atmosphere, good venue and everything. And, um, I think that would have been probably one of my number one picks. Yeah. It's so funny. Actually, I, uh, talked about going riding for my birthday on January 3rd and, uh, I first thing I said, you know what, it's a little bit of a trek for us. It's four or five hours. Um, let's go to Stony. So you would recommend yeah. that as like a as like a weekend trip? Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. dude. It's really cool. They got they got cabins and stuff out there. You can rent. They've got RV hookups everywhere. They've got I want to say four motocross tracks, maybe five. Whoa. They've got mud pits that you can go play in. You've got all these trails. You got hill climbs. You've got and there's enough acreage that you can go ride in a razor at higher speeds for a long time. Like you wow. know, almost like Wind Rock or or Harlan yeah. or something. It's a it's a really cool place, man. There's something for everybody out there, from a Jeep all the way to a rock bouncer. Cool, cool. That's good news too, because you know you always hear you ask people on Facebook, oh yeah, this is the worst, the best place. This is the worst place. I'll never go back. And it's just like, Lord help, somebody give me a valid answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, but, uh, man, sub- subjective opinions are never going to be forthcoming. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, that's pretty much all the questions I had for you. Is there anything that we that we uh, didn't cover that you'd like to cover? No, man. I'm just sitting here uh, working on uh, computer design stuff, so I can talk for as many hours as you want to. I'm just sitting here <laughs> pecking away at our new chassis design. We're actually, I'm actually putting panels in and trying to uh, uh, basically build all the panels and stuff for the interior and for the dashboard and everything so that um, – uh, I, I like to build them, and then I, I put a sheet of metal on the plasma table. We we hit the button. It cuts out all the panels. We press brake here and there, and everything goes together nice and smooth and looks super professional. So I'm working on that design right now, and uh, that's I can talk as long as you want to. Yeah. Well, uh, that's pretty much all the questions I had for you. Uh, one last thing is, um, where are you going to be in 2020 if some you know if you're going trail riding, you're going to be at an event or something like that. Somebody wants to come meet you. Where can they find you? Uh, we are going to start working on going to a lot of the Southern Rock Racing races just to, you know, promote all of our drivers, be there for Shane and for yeah. um, and for Matt and, you know, uh, Jonathan Shepard, when he goes, he, he used almost primarily uh, busted knuckle stuff and he bought one of our lower frame chassis and we're going to be there to help support those guys to a lot of those races. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going to, we're going to pick different places to go um, for different larger events, just, um you know, I don't know. I'll just be popping up here and there kind of as I don't have a, a ton of orders to produce. I usually work, you know, all throughout the weekend unless, um, you know, there's if, if there's some hot orders that come in, I, I usually cancel plans and get the orders out. If, if I can make it, I'll be at uh, as many events as possible. Cool. All right, Jake. Uh, is there anybody that you'd like to thank? Yeah, man, I, I I really have to send a shout out to, you know, my number one sponsor, my wallet, and, you know, <laughs> basically just say thank you for, for being there when I needed you most, but, you know, yeah. if you could set your game up just a little bit, that'd be definitely helpful. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I'm just kidding, man. No, our, our number one sponsor is definitely Busted Knuckle Off-Road, man. I mean, you know, these are the people that really make everything grind here at the shop. I mean, you know, we've got sponsors that help us out, you know, people who push for us, but... When the rubber hits the road, these are the people that are making metal move. They're, they're, you know, bending brackets. They're welding stuff. They're making miracles out of metal. And, and without those guys and, and everybody here at the shop, there's just absolutely no way we could do what we're doing. So, uh, definitely a huge shout out to Robbie, Alex, Adam, Wes, and Raymond. And, um, you know, uh, everybody up here in the front office, you know, we've, we've got a new guy up here in the front that's helping us out. His name is Robert, um, and Jasmine and, Huge thanks to those guys for everything that they do with keeping orders straight. And if if, if everything was left up to me, man, I, I I I'm so busy and scatterbrained with everything I got going on. I I I screw up orders and stuff a lot, and it's unfortunate. So I had to hire somebody to help us out with that. And he's been very influential. And, and Jasmine helping us with the books and keeping orders going is huge. Uh, huge thank you to Matt Myrick, you know, for for believing in me and and uh trusting me and and uh for us to be able to grow this business to what it is today it's just it gives me cold chills just thinking about how far we've come in such a short time and where we're going mm-hmm. um so huge thanks to Busted Knuckle Off-Road and and Busted Knuckle Films and and all the people who make that work um I want to say thank you to some of our sponsors like we we've, we've got some pretty good sponsors in the industry that have our back Bailey Industrial just came on board uh, with their tube benders and notchers and, and, you know, a bunch of different equipment, press brakes and stuff like that. We've got Tekton Tools, uh, who's helped us out with some stuff. Um, ESOB, man, thank you so much to y'all for, for being able to step up and believe in us when we were still, you know, getting our feet up underneath us, uh, you know, and, and, and thinking about, you know, all the different places this whole business can go. They've got us 
five really awesome welders here in the shop that just perform excellent and um we can't be more happy with that and uh you know right cnc those guys have helped us out tremendously in the past with with all the automation stuff for our plasma table and uh without them the business just wouldn't be where it's at so thank you to all those people and yukon gear and axle and wd-40 and tub of towels you know those are some other big companies that are really influential in our growth and and helping us you know, succeed and, and get to the point where we can start having some really cool stuff that definitely changes the industry and puts us um, in number one. And, and I, I do have to say thank you to President Trump, because if, if uh, things would have went differently, we probably wouldn't have <laughs> the, the revenue that we have for people to spend to make our business grow as well. So yeah, thank right. you to those people, uh, friends and family, you know, mother, father, brother, sisters, you know, my cat, everybody. Just thank you so much <laughs> for being there. And, uh, and always supporting us, even when things aren't going good, going up to bat for us. Uh, Jesse, thank you, you know, yeah. for being able to have us on this program and believing in us to the point where you'd allow us to come on your show and, and, uh, just speak a couple of kind words to us, man. So thank you to everybody and, and especially to you and, and your podcast. Well, cool, man. I appreciate it. And like I said, I tell everybody, I'm just a fan who had an idea and is lucky enough to get a chance to hear everybody's story. So That's awesome, thank you. Man. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you again. A big thank you from all the fans to your sponsors for putting everything up so you guys can continue to pave an awesome path for us. Uh, and that's pretty much all I had for you. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, if there's anything that I can do for you in terms of the episode or things like that, feel free to reach out. And uh, where can everybody find you on social media? So um, if you want to find me directly, uh, Jake Berkey Riot Buggy um, on, on Facebook, and then Jake Berkey Busted Knuckle on Instagram. And then obviously we have our business pages, Busted Knuckle Off-Road. I've got my personal page, Jake Berkey, um, you know, all that stuff. I've got a TikTok account, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I, I just, I, Matt, Matt told me it's fun, so I got on there and it's actually oh, pretty God. entertaining, but, uh, I've got like five followers. So if you want to be follower number six and seven or something like that, you know, That's I got great. the TikTok thing. But Busted Knuckle Films, um, you can you can check out all of our videos and stuff there. Uh, we've got that on Instagram and TikTok, and we've got it on um, Facebook and YouTube. So check out all of our videos, man, for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. That's I didn't expect that TikTok one. That's that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but with that, we'll close the show. Uh, once again, thanks for being on the show, Jake. I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm looking forward to next time, and I'm looking forward to running into you this season. Yeah, for sure, Jesse. It was great talking to you. All right. Have a good rest of your day, Jake. You too. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Today's show, again, is brought to you by WeBuyRides.com. That's www.webuyride with a Z, Z.com. WeBuyRides with a Z.com. Highly recommend them. If you're looking to get rid of your vehicle or pick up a new vehicle, they'll give you a trade-in cash offer for your car or they will give you that value, uh, good for a trade-in, good towards a trade-in. Let me say it that way. Uh, I highly recommend dealing with those guys. I've dealt with them here in the past little while. Customer service is awesome. Response time is awesome. Their guarantee is to give you the most money that they can on your trade-in, and they, they do specialize especially, specialize especially, in 4x4s, diesels, and Highline vehicles. They can get you in the vehicle that you'd like to be in. Uh, again, check them out. If you're looking at going to Carfax or uh, I don't even know what other places there are, Carvana, things like that, uh, give We Buy Rides a call. 
see what they can do. I would imagine that they could get you some a, a better offer for your vehicle, and uh, it'd be a better experience all the way around. And you're supporting a local business, so everything wins right there. Another sponsor is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road carries a huge line of lighting products, everything from light bars, light pods, rock lights, wheel rings, whips, you know, everything that you can think of, Infinite Off-Road carry, uh, carries, and it all comes with a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty. Guys, that, that warranty is just nuts. Like I said in the, uh, in the pre-roll, uh, I've picked up a new set of what, like their new line of lights. Uh, really amazing stuff. I don't even know if the owner, Mike, has named that series of lights yet, but I know that it's coming. And uh, Mike is a great guy to deal with. His team, his super fast shipping, uh, his Black Friday sales went awesome. Thank you guys for supporting him. Uh, makes me really, really happy when you guys support our sponsors because that just means that they're going to keep supporting the show and that means the show can keep going. Another sponsor, is, well, let me rephrase that, Infinite Off-Road. Uh, check those guys out, infiniteoffroad.com. They'll give you uh, 10% off your entire order with code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S. And don't forget to check out All Things UTV. All Things UTV has pretty much everything else in terms of performance for your vehicle, seating, uh, razor diffs, razor axles, wheels, tires, suspension components, everything that you need for your side-by-side, -side, especially suspension. Uh, they are offering a huge, huge, huge beneficial product for your side-by-side -side, and that's a tender spring replacement as well as their cloud nine kit if you want to go ahead and do the whole nine yards and get a whole new kit set on your car highly recommend it uh, all things utv also has the best customer service in the business wouldn't be doing business with them if i didn't think that they were the best allthingsutv.com uh, and dustin robbins on facebook all things utv on facebook give them a follow check them out i guarantee that they'll have the best prices the fastest shipping and the best customer service that you can find all right thanks everybody hope you enjoyed the episode let me know have a good one